Welcome to the channel tribe. This episode is a part of IAMA series. In this episode, we are having Rahul Verma talking on design, career, ideas and trends in automation. So the first part usually in, in, in any session is uh, you get started by telling about who you are. And um, um, in presentations, of course, uh, some of the format exists. And you tell a lot about what are your credentials. Uh, you would like to prove uh, that you have authority. Because I'm not used to this format, I actually went through a couple of YouTube videos, how to do it right, uh, how to take care of people when, when they're going through a Facebook live session with you. And one of the uh, suggestions there over and over again, by the way, in articles and in videos was um, establish your authority. Establish why people should uh, listen to you. And um, I'm not comfortable with that because I don't think so that I am any authority in testing or on the subject on which you are here to discuss with me. My only authority is that I'm a great student and I take pride in that. I take pride in being a software tester. I have been serving my profession well and that's the expertise I can definitely claim. And uh, before people make any assumptions, when I present or I present on tech talks, they just assume that that's how my journey has been, that I was always a coder or possibly I must, must have gone through this journey. I think that's escapism because uh, I graduated as a mechanical engineer and I didn't know coding. I didn't know technical skills. I had no idea of entering into IT industry and whatever things I have explored. I have explored along the way, just like any other tester. I was as clueless as most of the testing community. The only problem is that people at my stage, somehow they want to uh, wear the expert cap, that they're great and somehow they always love testing or they entered into testing because they love testing. Most of them are liars. Uh, I'm not a liar. And uh, I have no shame of being a tester today. And I think that's the great thing. It's like, uh, you loved something else. Most of us actually wanted to be a developer. We failed at that and we became testers. So you loved a girl, you couldn't marry that girl. Uh, there was an arranged marriage with a girl whom you didn't know. But along the way, you find how beautiful that person is. And then you discover your love, the love of your life. And I think it, it should be true for most of us because software testing is a beautiful girl. It's a beautiful profession. And um, I have discovered that along the way, like most of us do. And I would rather like to assist people in that journey of discovery of love, true love, not a tester who's waiting to be something else, not a tester who uh, wants to be called himself as SDET or a developer or agile tester or something else. Whatever designation doesn't include the word tester is comfortable for most of the people today. I'm not that person. I take pride in the profession and I think uh, there's a lot to be done yet. So my points would be more in that direction, not in the fancy buzzwords, which are prevalent in the industry today, or they were prevalent for like many years since I started. So that's my introduction to keep it relevant. Uh, what I do for a living, I don't think so that's much relevant or what company I founded or what do I do. Unless there are questions directed at that, I would like to stay away from that introduction for the purpose of this session. So I hope 
um, that should suffice. I'm just like you. I'm a part of the community and I want to help. And that's why I'm here for this session. <coughs> Sorry. So I think um, if, if that's the introduction, I would like to set the context right for AMA. Um, I think, uh, as I mentioned in my blog post also, once this event was announced, that Ask Me Anything is a very bad name. Uh, it's very pretentious for anybody to claim that he or she can answer everything. So just to set the context right, it's uh, that I have a certain experience uh, to which I've given my, all my professional life for the last 15, 16 years. So if you ask questions from that, it would be much more useful because I'm not going to take a stab at random things uh, just to show that I'm a great expert. I'm just going to say no, that I'm not the right person to answer that. So whatever questions have come my way uh, through the comments as well, I'm going to do the same. That wherever I think my experience is relevant, I would answer them. Uh, otherwise, I'll excuse myself. And I'm so sorry for that. Uh, some of those questions, for example, uh, have come wonderful questions in their own right from Chirag. And uh, I think, uh, Chirag, you are dealing with certain areas uh, which I'm envious about. So you are asking about maps, for example. I never had the opportunity to work on, you know, testing of Google Maps. So it's more of a peer discussion which we can have sometime, not in this mode where I just sit here as an expert and try to give vague answers to you. This is not the right format for that. So if you're working on such a context, I would rather sit as a student or appear from the industry with you and try to learn from it. And uh, in that process, uh, maybe I would, uh, you know, try to contribute whatever I can do as your friend, as a person from the community, not in the role which I'm playing today. So I'm so sorry uh, that, that those questions or questions for, of that nature from other uh, people, great people, of course, as well. Uh, so questions which I'm not addressing, uh, please don't take that uh, is that, uh, you know, it has so that I am avoiding you. It's that I'm not the right fit for those questions at all. Okay, so maybe some other individual can answer them better. So what I'll do is I'll I'll go through uh, some of the questions which have come uh, which have come my way, and please feel free to add questions during this discussion. Uh, this discussion is scheduled for one hour, but I'm all yours today. I'm I would be pretty happy to extend this session as much as you like. So we would. Uh, conclude the discussion when when we don't have anybody left and I'm talking to myself yeah so uh, let's get started uh, I know there is a question coming my way from Kumar as well so Kumar you are in the queue uh, as you realize in that com uh, you know uh, message as well uh, I would get to it once I go through the earlier comments which people have gone through so those who join late hello everybody uh, uh, thank you so much for joining this session Help me in making uh, this comfortable. I can't see you. I can't see your faces. I'm a theater guy. So uh, whenever I used to act or perform on stage, I'm used to looking at people's faces, how they react. Is it working or not? So as of now, I don't know whether I'm boring you or is it useful. So please stay with me. I can just see you, your, your texts. So whenever you want to respond, please respond in comments. Whenever something is not working, you have a disagreement, you want to add something. You want to ask something which is an extension to the existing question under discussion please write a comment and i promise to entertain as many questions as possible in the time which we have today so let me have a look at the questions which we have uh, so the context uh, just to set it again i'm not a toolsmith i'm not a selenium appium xyz framework engineer that's not my research area 
In fact, uh, I am possibly one of the maybe few engineers in the world who has taken up test engine design as a research area. Nobody's working on that. Um, for example, you can check last time in Java who wrote a test engine. So last one which you are using is actually test ng, which was maybe two decades back. So uh, it's not just in India. I think world over, very less people are focused on doing something in the test engine layer, and that's my area. Uh, apart from that, I focus on uh, design of automation. As a consultant, I review frameworks. So those questions I can help you better how to design because typical code reduction, which I see, is eighty to ninety percent, which is like a huge, huge number for code reduction. In dev world, this would be like a strict no-no. But the quality of test automation code I see across tools, across languages, across whatever frameworks, fancy names you come up with, the quality of code is, uh, for want of a better word, shameful. It's very shameful. Okay, so uh, let's get the basics right and let that be the theme of today. Somebody has to call it what it is. Okay, if uh, I usually say that if somebody farts in the room, at least somebody should tell, right? Somebody should call it a fart. Otherwise, we are all liars, just uh, patting each other's back and or crying about being a being a tester. I'm not that person. I'm going to sort of. Uh, uh, so let, let's try to be honest about it. Okay. So uh, there's a question which actually popped up from uh, my introduction itself, and by possibly one of the most inquisitive people you would ever come across, Srini. So he asks, what's a test engine? So just to uh, uh, briefly touch on that, because anyways, we would have deeper discussion through the session, that when you assume a framework, or when you say, I have designed a test automation framework, uh, there are certain features in the framework we, which you just assume. Some of you, very less of you, in fact, if you're in Java world, you might be using something called JUnit. Um, which is a developer-developed test engine. Very fit for them, not good for our needs. Test ng is another word which you hear. That's a test engine. So it provides features like assertions or how to define a test, what are the annotations, how do you write fixtures, set up or clear down instructions, and so on and so forth. So there's a range of features which the test engine provides. You use them. On top of that, you build your framework layer. Okay, so the layer which I'm talking is test engine. So I I am a researcher in that space. So I study how test engines are designed, how they work, what are the strengths of an engine, what are the flaws. So many of the problems which you actually solve at framework, I try to solve them in the engine layer itself. So we can get deeper into that later. Um, those who come from C-sharp world, so MS-Test is the example of a test engine, or N-Unit is an example. Those who come from Python world, PyUnit, or Unit Test 2, I think is the library name. So the, all these engines are uh, mostly based on Kent Beck's X-Unit architecture. So you can sort of refer that name. It's great work. And engines have evolved a lot over a period of time. So we can go deeper if somebody's uh, further interested. And uh, uh, thank you, Ajay. Thanks for your kindness. Uh, so let's, let's start with Gio's question. Uh, he actually asked a lot of questions, so uh, I would try to uh, sort of pick one of his questions and put rest back in the queue and let's see how it goes and it's a it's it's I, I think a question very very important question very important remark which sort of sets the tone for the rest of the AMA as well 
So let me read out for you for the benefit of everybody. It's a very important, more than a question actually, Jio has expressed uh, an opinion. It's a remark on the state of automation. And I, I don't know to what extent this opinion is affecting him. So I would try to express my opinion in, in, uh, in an answer to that. Okay, so uh, what uh, Geo says is that core design of automation framework has always been the same. So in short, what the hell is a framework? Everything is a framework. Uh, and finally, what does the framework include? Master script, libraries, functions, test data, object repository, test scenarios, test results, logging, etc. And what different companies are doing is that they create something uh, um, out of all of these features. They call it a framework. And now they are pushing it to the industry. They want us to buy it or they want to make it popular. So what, according to you, constitutes an ideal automation framework? So let's get the word ideal out of the question, first of all. There's nothing called ideal. Now let me get to the point which, which you has addressed. And very important points, in fact. Uh, so I don't know in which direction, for example, Jiu has asked this question. If this is what he thinks about automation framework, then I think there is a gap in understanding. Uh, but but I agree to him to the extent that most of the industry also thinks that this is what is a framework. Okay, Framework is the most abused word in our industry. Anything and everything is called a framework. Okay. So framework, anyways, uh, a process could also be a framework here. Process of re review could also be a framework. But in the context of test automation, what Geo has mentioned that, after all, what is a framework? It is a master script, libraries, functions, test data. So Geo, these are, this is not design. Okay, You say that what is the core design of automation? It's always the same. You are not even mentioning anything about design. When there's a master script or a library or a function or test data, these are features. These are not, this is not design. Design is how well you put these features together. Design is about maintainability. Design is about usability of your framework. It's just like any other piece of software. If you have a browser of choice today, okay, it could be anything. You could be, for example, uh, choosing Chrome over Firefox or Firefox over Edge or whatever. Why do you use that browser? After all, you are just going to a website. So is it good to say that the core design of browsers has always been the same and different companies are pushing their browsers away? Of course they are. But in the process, if you see face, uh, Fire, uh, uh, Firefox introduced apps, Chrome introduced a lightweight looking with a big canvas size. And to the extent that the original creators of the browser, which was so popular, i.e. became Edge, and now they're moving to Chromium, what pushed them for it? after having all the functionality which you listed, right? Design, and as a tester, I, I think we have a better answer for this. Uh, so this is a dev thought process which you mentioned. So functionality is one of the quality attributes. Design is mostly about the other attributes. Usability, performance, how easy it is to use it. What is the user experience? When you design a framework, the users of those frameworks, when they write their tests, Usability matters to them, but we live in an industry where usability somehow we just say it's about UIs. APIs have usabilities, command lines have usability, it's ease of use. What's their experience? How easy it is to learn it? Is there too much of cognitive overhead for them to go through it? And so on and so forth. 
okay so if you want to learn go deeper uh, you know beyond this i am i'm uh, you can add further questions to this note and i would take it at the correct points as per whatever i assess so that's uh, geo's first question uh, very very important question and uh, there's a question coming from arpit and what i'll do is i'll i'll take this question later uh, before i move on to some people who actually uh, took their time to write the questions earlier and then i'll i'll put this particular question in queue um So Chirag uh, had asked for a library uh, which can help in testing visualizations like charts. And uh, I have certain experience in this, not much. So what I did was I actually looked around the web also for this answer. I tried to do some homework on this. So the thing is that uh, what I expect is uh, like what I assume is that what Chirag means is if there's a website, for example, and uh, there's a data being plotted in the form of a pie chart or in the form of a bar graph. How do I test that? Uh, I have a suggestion. Don't. Don't do this. This is one of those examples where it's one of those overdoing of automation examples. Okay. You would crack it, especially if it is SVG charts. Uh, you might be able to crack it because they are DOM components. But what is your goal? For example, I work in Python. I work with, for example, a library called matplotlib. You provide data to matplotlib, it plots. So are you testing the plotting library? Or are you testing a website which is consuming that plotting library? So provided a set of data, did the, was it plotted correctly or not? Is not website testing. You are actually testing the high charts library, for example, one of the libraries which is used in web applications. This is one point I would like to address that uh, I, had, I was testing a healthcare application and they had a lot of these charts. My goal, I, I negotiated with them. They were also asking me to find a library and you know that UI automation is flaky and putting to such situations, you are uh, calling trouble. It would never be still. You need to tell yourself that. You need to. For your personal exploration, keep doing it. As an organization, when you're doing it, please be careful about such decisions. So their requirement is that there's a data in the database. It gets formatted through a middle layer and comes to the website as an XML and that this XML is being fed to a plotting library, which is a third party component. And most of the plotting libraries are actually third party components. So I ask them, is your job to test the plotting library? Why don't you ask for guarantees from that vendor? that given a set of data, the plot should be guaranteed. It's their testing responsibility. And rest of the things, integration can very well come in exploratory testing. It's actually an area where that would help greatly. So my suggestion would be focus on data. If the backend is not exposing the data to you, it's a testability question. So negotiate on testability. If all these facts are not possible, given your context, then my friend, uh, you are in that situation where um, you have to deal with it. So if you, it is SVG charts, look for libraries. Uh, don't expect much stability. You can do only basic inquiry on what is the tooltip or what are the other things. But I would repeat again, please try to stay away from it for your own good and for your organization's benefit. Okay. There is something called service and there's something called misservice or disservice in its worst case. So I think uh, when we try to overdo automation, it's not a service. It actually turns into disservice. It hurts everybody in the process. 
and while giving all those uh, you know uh, research awards and everything uh, eventually it doesn't help anybody at all as a research subject it is okay for your own personal exploration so there is uh, another question from sneha i'll see if there is a related uh, comment uh, ashish is asking are you saying framework is same as design patterns uh, the short answer is no design patterns are design patterns frameworks when you design them you have to keep design patterns in mind what are design patterns or something it would distract us from the current flow of questions so i'll park it as we go along at some point let's go it uh, in, into deep in it okay uh, estimating a qa project uh, is a question from shreesh uh, i'm sorry i'm not the right person i have never been a manager in my career i was always an individual contributor so on project estimation and things i'm not the right person so uh, so take this as a hint any question related to project estimates process i'm not a process guy okay at all at all i've stayed away from it i have let better people than me play that role uh, i just focus on the tech aspects and uh, okay so uh, th there is a related question and very important aspect again brought forward by shrini which is uh, testability okay and i think if you put together all the quality attributes of a software the most ignored part the most ignored quality attribute so far in my opinion is testability in simple word see but, uh, you take a dictionary word you add an ility at the end it becomes a quality attribute right so what is testability it is the ability to test but you can test anything so what is testability about the software needs to lend itself to cheaper testing it needs to provide features where you can inquire because till the point you are able to inquire about certain things in a certain way you would not be able to test it properly okay i'll give you an example from my practical experience uh, so i worked in anti malware domain okay so let's say there are about 40000 signatures at the backend the programmatic signatures so when you are scanning a file a subset of those signatures can get hit okay your job as a tester is to find out that given a file a were the right expected signatures hit or not and let's say you're doing black box testing how would you do this people don't solve this problem you see they would make it a white box testing problem they'll say it is a unit testing problem but one of the intelligent decisions which my company took at that time and actually prior to that is they planned for it that if you enable this particular flag or you put this file in this location you would start getting an internal log of which drivers are hit very simple testability feature so the moment i trigger the scan in a black box way there's a log which gets generated which otherwise in the usual operation doesn't get generated it's a feature which was introduced for testability and debuggability perspective okay so now when i run the black box test i am able to get the list of files which were hit in the back end which otherwise i can't have access to and now i can basically pass the log and now i can assert that i expected 35 drivers these name drivers to hit were they hit or not excellent okay so similarly when you look at all the component based architecture which is going on recently all this microservices or web services model 
This is to increase testability. However, companies still focus most of their testing effort via UI, which is a very strange thing. They have an ex excellent layer to shift to, but in the name of end-to-end -end testing and all these buzzwords in the industry, most of the testing is still done at UI layer, which, as I earlier mentioned through this call, for want of a better word, is shameful. There is no polite way to say this, okay? Same companies project themselves as agile companies. They would project all the scrum and everything, but they don't know what agile pyramid is and what's the true meaning of that. So to those who are still doing this, please take a printout of agile pyramid. Discuss with your management that this is what agile is about. Agile is not scrum. It's not about standing in the morning and just looking at each other not a blocker, I did this, repeating the same blank things every day. That's not Agile. Agile is a philosophy. It's a value system. And one of the values there is at which layer, how much testing needs to be done. So most of the questions which came my way were actually about UI testing, and that's the strange part. So those of who you, you know, same questions, uh, those people who send those questions, if you're working in an Agile team, it's not important to get answer for how do you test the ui of this first ask yourself are you asking the right questions okay because this ui testing should have gone away six seven years back it should have subsided reduced it is not because it's a scam you can quote me for that i have no worries okay it's a disservice that large part percentage of your tests are still UI tests. The testing community is heavily engaged in a complete disservice to its clients. We need to get away from this as soon as possible. It's already late. We are like seven, 10 years late already. So rather than finding the next UI testing framework, please focus on lower layers. How do we get testability? How do I make this efficient? A UI test which could take four or five minutes at service layer, it is a second's job. So when you're, while you're complaining that my tests take more time there, one of the questions was asked around maintainability. If you're working at UI layer, I'm sorry, there is a upper limit to the maintainability, which you would get anyways. You can keep doing it. You can keep trying to crack it, externalize your definitions. You would think you have got maintainability, but you would never get it. You would never get the stability, which you can get at lower layers. Your tests would always remain flaky. So let's open our eyes to the facts and, uh, Try to try to do the right thing here. Okay, uh, so uh, okay, there are many more questions uh, coming way, and there's a comment also. UI automation is not going away because there is money riding on it. Very true, and uh, I, I always say it to uh, to my um, my fellow testers who entered into industry blindly and are trying to make sense of what has happened to them. They were doing very well. Most of the manual testers, exploratory testers, they were doing very well. And suddenly industry said, no, no, we need coding. Uh, let me tell you something. Some years from now, coding-oriented testers are not the future. It's not that they won't know coding. Coding would anyways be the requirement. Tech would be the requirement. But for their job, they would not be doing coding. The, whatever tasks which we are doing today are not the tasks of tomorrow. So exploratory testing is the future. Exploration is the future for testers, in my opinion. But they would be techie, not people who are uh, doing monkey job of just clicking some buttons here and there. That's not testing. Let's be clear on that. So you see, if the industry laid a chess before you, 
who asked you to be a pawn? You need to ask yourself that. Nobody asked you. Only the chest was laid in front of you. You chose to be the pawn. Learn to say no. Just because today's job market is asking for X things doesn't mean these are the requirements of tomorrow. Tomorrow industry would ask for specialist. So today, those of you who are putting and taking pride in, in fact, I see all those LinkedIn profiles, 40 tools, 50 tools, and knowing something about 100 things. Let me be frank with you. That kind of role has no place in future. For any kind of role, that is happening to developers as well. Those roles are not the roles of the future. You are entering into an easily replaceable domain. A person who knows little about 50 things, those 50 low-hanging fruits can be automated any time of the day. So on one side, when you talk of AI and ML, you should know the realities that these are the things which would be automated. So please choose one specialization area. Get good at it. This high-level thing is, is uh, going to hurt all of us. And I'm in the same boat, by the way. I'm also afraid of the future. I also think every day, how would I remain relevant for future? What would I do? And all these years, which people call experience, like you look at me today, right? That I would come, I'm like 15, 16 years in the industry. I present here. Please understand all of this is baggage beyond a certain point. Every year I add to my experience is a burden I carry. Because people like you youngsters, when you look at me, you expect some expertise. And the thing which I am fighting is how irrelevant I am getting or becoming for the industry day by day and how to remain relevant. So in that aspect, friends, we are in the same boat. Let's be clear, okay? And don't listen to all those experts. That's most of the conferences, articles, blogs, YouTube videos, all those are lies. Please understand. I'm telling you as a friend. All those are lies. If you don't believe me, check my blog. 2008. 2008. The agile noise wasn't there. SDET noise wasn't there. I wrote a blog post at that time. Should the testers learn programming? It is in 2008. I built a case. Why should we learn it? Not because there's a buzzword in the industry. For our own good. Why being technical is going to help us? That was 11 years back. You look at the industry today. So if I'm telling you something, I have an eye for patterns. Patterns and pains of people, pains of the industry. This industry is going to lay a new chest before you in 10 years. So onus is on us, whether even the place of a pawn is going to be reserved for us or not. Okay, that's the reality. You don't like it? then let's meet in 10 years and we'll see. I might not have a place there. Don't worry. I'm not saying I would be there or something. I'll just try to be there. Okay. So, uh, okay. So there are other comments I would try to make relevant. Thank you so much. First of all, I, when I started with this, I didn't even know that, you know, what can I really contribute because I'm good on stage or maybe over a beer. This medium thing um, doesn't fully work for me. I can't look at you. Thank you uh, so much. Okay. All right, so uh, so there is a question from Mahesh. Uh, he has organized the event, so let, let us give him benefit that his question should be addressed. Uh, before him, though, I would like to uh, look at a question from Sneha, Sneha Kejriwal. Okay. Uh, 
In today's era of automation testing, can you suggest the best approach we as a tester should use for applications based on AI? That's a dangerous word there. Uh, what are general factors we should keep in mind while taking a hand-on hand testing for these kind of applications? Kindly enlighten your thoughts on this. So Sneha, uh, I don't know about it. The reason I'm addressing this question is that this question is important. Okay, and there's a lot of nonsense in the name of AI education going on in the industry. Okay, you want to learn about AI, you need to first of all tell yourself that it's a deeper subject. It's not a boundary value analysis or ECP to which you would allocate two days and two days later you come out educated. Okay, accept the fact because it, it would take time and you need not be harsh on yourself that i am a slow learner or I, it's taking time for me for people who would try to learn this particular subject would need to spend time so everybody most of us including me because i also want to learn it it is going to be slow for all of us so please be patient don't look around don't look at the hype around you that this guy is saying i used ai this guy every tool today you see look at the trend when cloud computing or all this started Every application suddenly started saying, we are on the cloud. There was a server at the back end. How would you know? Most of people were lying about it. Then the word analytics came into picture, data analytics. Suddenly, all applications were using analytics. They had the same algos. They had the same databases. That's the same thing happening today. Every application today says we use AI. You look at them. Look at the marketing brochures. How do you know? But you see, they may not be telling a lie. They might have put a two-line function at the back end which calls an ML. They may not be using it. They may not be lying. But is their application AI-based? For most of the applications, it's a blatant lie. Because most of the people don't even understand it. Don't understand it at all. So we all are, as a community, not just testing community, okay? As dev community also, we are struggling with it. It's a complex field. We are trying to learn it. Now, there are some good courses available out there. If uh, you are from uh, Python uh, background, or you can explore it actually. Python or R are the two languages which could be good. I'm suggesting Python because, of course, I'm biased about Python. I love Python. Programming is easier, and it's not just for ML. You can do a lot. The regular tasks, uh, Selenium, Appium, those also you can do in Python. And it's a very good language for ML as well, whereas you would struggle to do Selenium automation using R. So as a generic language of testers, Python is great. Java is not the language. I know most of you today are automating using Java. Uh, I don't hate Java or something, but please understand that um, how would you create tomorrow's framework when half of your code is in Java or Python? Not an easy game to win, okay? So uh, learn uh, the new tech languages. Go programming language is, is picking up it is going to become more and more popular. Most of the tools which you use today in the DevOps side, Docker or Kubernetes, uh, Go is the programming language, it, it is growing. So that's another language to keep your eye on. When efficiencies would become very important, five years, six years from now, not just ML, but efficient ML, uh, I am doubtful whether Python would retain its place in that, or R would retain its place. Languages like Go would actually move forward because they are compiled languages. So Rust and Go, these kind of languages would actually start taking a step forward in the ML space. So keep your eye on these things. How, so what do you study? So in Python, if you check, there are lots of good books. There are lots of good courses from O'Reilly. Uh, if you're not really looking for a full hands-on course, okay, where somebody 
uh, you know, in a two, three day course, you go to the course and you're typing from line one, because that's not a possibility, as I mentioned. Uh, there are many algorithms to learn. So uh, Verity has a course around AI and it's a decent course. I attended it uh, recently. You can write to me. I can actually provide you further information. And uh, but your expectations need to be right. If you think that in three days somebody would make you an AI expert, please tell me that course. Okay, I'll pay whatever money I can pay. Okay, whatever two lakhs, three lakhs, I'll pay for three days. If somebody can make me an AI expert or knowledgeable in three days. So it's not three day journey. You are looking at two to three years. There's no course which can cater to that. There are some degrees. If you want, I can fetch you those details also. In Bangalore, there are some colleges offering a postgraduate degree. But then again, set your expect expectation right. Most of the times you would have to study on the weekends a lot. There's a one year course, which one of the QA directors, which I know is attending and she's a woman too. So you can understand that yeah, women has, have a more difficult life than the male counterparts like me. Uh, but if she's able to manage how she's able to manage that, I can get all that data and connect you basically. So just let me know uh, because finer details. And if you know about anything, please contribute for the benefit of community here. Okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, so there's a question from uh, Mahesh. What would be your advice to those many testers who now see automation as the only option to stay relevant in job market? Um, so Mahesh, I think they're doing it right, but not to become uh, like test automation engineers or something. As I mentioned, 11 years back, I said, please learn coding. Please learn programming in a proper way. Not the kind of hacked coding, which most of the testers write that just solve the problem. Tomorrow we will see how to do it better. Not that kind of coding. Okay. Those were QTP days, by the way. Okay. I never learned QTP. Never. I actually never did GUI automation in my whole career as an employee. So those who say GUI automation is the only way there's no career, please talk to me. I'll show you the way, but you have to take risks. Okay. Uh, I, I test uh, at database layer. I, I tested local apps mostly performance. So I chose roles. I gave up on easy opportunities which were there in the market. So it's a harder path, but those paths exist. Okay. So you can create those paths. If you're ready to take those risks and you're able to study, dedicate yourself to that, those paths exist. Uh, I was told individual contributor doesn't have future in, um, in India, but I'm an individual contributor. I, I said, but you see, there was a risk or there was a sacrifice. I was offered a management role. And I said, no. So I let go of the money. I let go of the promotion that year. Uh, I was offered dev roles many a times that become a developer. Okay. Because you code well and you are interested. I said, no, I don't want to be, become a developer. So you see creating these stories just for the sake of it or having a designation as a developer to be a proud. Uh, I, I think this is all nonsensical. You, every, every profession is beautiful. If you want to be a developer, be a developer, but be a good developer. Don't compare yourself with any developer on the street and say that the average developer is better than best of the testers. Please don't do that to our profession. That's my only request, whatever you want to do. Okay. Even if you want to open a Pani Puri stall, it's okay, but serve good Pani Puri. There are many out there who are not doing it right. So it's not about the profession. It's about us and how well we serve our profession. You don't blame the profession that testing has, doesn't have future. You are here, I am here. 
you would see the testing is flourishing. And with all the complexity in the world, testing is going to uh, get more and more attention. You look at the last 20 years, you look at the testing history. Testing is not going anywhere. It's the testers' roles, responsibilities which are changing. They would continue to change. Okay, so we need to be ready for that. So those who are into automation, they see that automation is relevant. Uh, please don't explore automation like as an extension to Mahesh's question. I, I can understand the context from which he's coming. Please don't look down upon manual testing, which we have been doing for like a long time now, as if it is a dirty job and we should run away from it and it has no value. Don't do that. Okay. Manual testing is the basis of us. I am telling you that as a security engineer, I'm telling you that as a performance engineer, I'm telling you that as a person for whom for last 11 years test automation research is the core area. That whatever you call manual testing, we are nothing without it. Nothing. If we don't know test design techniques, if we don't know the basics of it, if we don't know how to explore a system properly, we are not testers. We might be coders, but we are not testers. So if you're calling yourself, you might be a DevOps guy, go and be a DevOps engineer. But stop calling yourself tester after that. There's a lot of Twitter noise around it. People say testing is just a role. No, it is not a role. I'm so sorry. I spent 16 years on learning testing and I haven't cracked it fully yet. So you are telling me that a person who spends 15 minutes every day is going to replace me. I am not able to replace me. The person at my experience, the kind of testing that person should be doing. I am trying to be that person. And I'm not that person. Every day I feel that I could have done more. So don't tell me that some part-time attention to this is going to do justice to testing. Confess that you're compromising on testing as a company. Then I'm okay. So this all this DevOps thing, put a scanner here and there, run the scanner. This is security testing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, that's maybe a part of the solution. Tools don't replace me or any good tester any time of the day. I know companies who have teams of 20, 30 people who are developers, architects. They run the same tool which I run, but still they come to me for advice. And I still end up finding flaws which those 30 people didn't find. Not because I'm great. It's because I'm focused. Very rosy roti That's my bread and butter. I spent 16 years on learning something. So you can't replace me with a person for whom it's just a side job. And 10 years from now, eight years from now, those are the people. I might become irrelevant because I may not know that much. But believe me, the future is for specialists. Generalists have no place. So the exploratory tester of tomorrow would be a techie. The person may not write code. So don't take, when I say exploratory testing is the future, please don't confuse it with the way it has been treated as of now. People who stayed away from code, people who stayed away from automation. I'm not talking of that kind of exploration. I'm talking of techies who would explore. Because all core problems AI and ML is going to solve. Okay, so keep that in mind, please. So, uh, so you see, this is victimization that, uh, so we have different categories of people in our community. The people who hate manual testing or are afraid of being a manual tester, they run away from it. There are people who are manual testers, who are afraid of doing anything else. They talk against automation. Both of these people are dangerous. If you're in any of these categories, please stop doing what you're doing. Okay. 
just because you don't want to learn automation doesn't make automation bad okay you could be great at that you could actually survive without learning automation if you're very very good at exploration but that's your path that doesn't make automation bad so stop talking against automation those who are who want to explore automation please stop looking down upon manual testing because without that you are not a whole you you know only partial testing okay so what i'm saying is maxims right this all or nothing as we say that all automation or no automation all manual testing or no manual testing these are not the answers these never were the answers these maxims don't contain the answers agile or no agile okay these are not this is not the way to think about it the answers are always in the mix how much of automation how much of exploratory testing how much of tooling how much of human involvement this is where we need to find the answer this is not a boolean question which industry is trying to make out of it yes or no true or false question don't make it okay you have all the evidence in front of you just start looking at it you also see so it causes more confusion that you go to a conference people tell you something you look at the industry industry gives you a vague answer that vague answer is the reality actually if you look at the totality that why manual testing jobs still exist why most of your works today also is manual testing because it has value okay i was having a conversation recently with the automation engineer whom i like respect and he's like 12 13 years youngster a young grower actually around that he told me something and he's equally interested on test automation research he said rahul bhai whatever said and done bugs to manual test hi dhoondta hai bugs to usse milte hain ye to drama hai sara this is the truth from people who truly know automation the people who are looking down upon manual testing are the people who actually don't know automation okay so that's why i'm repeating it after going in depth i know the limitations of what i can do but i'm not saying it's bad otherwise i would not dedicate my years of work to automation if i see it's useless okay everything is useful learn it helps you there were like many articles earlier i used to find learn from guitar learn from a doctor learn from a detective why the hell you won't learn from development you tell me what is keeping you away from it that's the question i raised in 2008 that if you can learn from a detective and translate that knowledge and be a good tester you can learn a programming and be a good tester also it's closer to home your software damn is developed in that language okay so let's be pragmatic practical dialogue bazi nahi karni hai kaam ki taraf dhyan dena wo mera bas aapse ek ek best hai okay and these are my opinions of course i'm not here to hurt anybody's emotions so you please uh, listen to all of this and then choose whatever is relevant to you and throw everything else in the dustbin okay that's not relevant to you so whatever thing maybe appeals to you is is the only thing useful uh there's a follow up question from mahesh uh where is the industry headed um actually industry is never headed anyway industry uh, is always headed into better business how do i make more money and industry is headed towards buzzwords if they don't exist we create new ones because there is more business in it so you see where there was agile they said it is lean but then it wasn't sufficient somebody called lean agile today if you see two stores it's like a shopping mall right that there's a one version of jacket another brand of jacket my shoe is better my shoe is better you look at how many types of agile exist today and how many organizations are saying my agile is better than theirs this is business and this is how it is going to continue industry is not headed anywhere if you look at it it's the same 
technology heads somewhere technology trends needs they had somewhere and then it's an enabler for business the people change people had somewhere else their expectations had so you show something to them that this is a possibility in an app next time in the next app they expect something else then amazon would say we publish an app, a build every few seconds and then some store wala who has opened a website would say i also want to publish in 6 seconds whereas it may not be relevant so this would continue to happen these are tech trends uh, i i i'm not an industry expert or something and i whatever i said just now is on a lighter note what we need to keep in mind as individuals is how do we survive how do we thrive survival is basic so at least guarantee your survival in this change and thriving is uh, where where you do better than all out there and uh, just look at any mix in any company across last years uh, 5 10% people do the 90% of the work so why not be in that 5% all of us in the today's call why not strive for that and then why worry ultimately business people that want to run business they need good people they won't let you go that's what i'm banking on okay that's what i'm banking on because nothing else is in my control at all apart from my own education and seriousness uh <coughs> sorry so so uh trina or trina I, i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing your uh, name wrong uh so trina has asked uh, i have learned in red it makes sense to automate only when the system is stable Uh, what would you suggest sh- should be one's approach when they have to automate a non-stable system? Uh, so, Trina, uh, there's something called common sense, okay? And uh, businesses often, uh, especially agile and all this nonsense going on today, it would question a lot of your common sense. So, should a tester test a stable system? Of course, that's a common sense. It would save a lot of time and fat. but then there are uh, contexts which pushes a tester into testing non stable systems okay um you might want to test performance only when functionally system is stable you might want to test something for security only when performance of a system is established that's common sense that's testing knowledge but uh, as i mentioned all this noise of devops and automation and this i, I don't know why people are in such a hurry ultimately the quality of the software for most of the software is the same shitty quality but there is some urgency uh, so you see it's an urgency to produce bad software earlier people were not in a hurry to produce bad software that's how i look at it and uh, in this urgency they would actually produce worse software than earlier and that's what people are doing okay so when somebody says with all of this quality of the product would improve i don't think so quality is for the patient some jobs take time it's a creative work and uh, this is not just what i'm saying as a tester i talk to good designers who design this ux or good developers they also feel the same that a lot of part of the software development work is creative work i can't time box it into a sprint one week or two week i can't rush it so this pain which you're feeling is pain of all creative engineers and i don't have an answer to to how to really quicken it so i just found a path in which nobody pushes me to do my stuff quick i just take my own time so i don't have an answer basically to this i'm sorry and yeah it's a reflection on the sad state of course so 
so we have further questions. I would look at uh, the comment section now uh, so that I'm not losing a track. People are very verbose on the comments. I don't want to lose on the questions. Uh, what are the technical areas a QA engineer or SDIT, as some people refer, need to learn, expand upon in today's time? There are a lot, quite a few areas, in fact. Uh, the first one is programming. I, I know it looks obvious, and uh, but I don't think so people study programming properly. And SDET is just a label. Just a label. It's just a fancy designation because people are ashamed of calling themselves software tester. Okay? If they are SDET somehow, uh, it looks good on LinkedIn profile or SCT, you know, software engineer. Uh, a basic guideline for SDET is whatever is a developer, you need to be that and then employ those skills to testing. So networking, yes. Operating systems, how they work, yes. Should be comfortable on uh, Bash, uh, Shell, Linux, uh, Windows, administrative work, uh, yes. Uh, build small utilities of your own, yes. How to do them efficiently, yes. A bit of exposure to performance, yes. A bit of exposure to security, yes. Comfort level with programming, excellent level needed. Design, excellent level needed. These are some basic needs in my opinion. And most of the people I see, I, I don't meet Googlers often. I have met them. They they meet this criteria, okay? Uh, but do we need SDETs for the jobs we do is the question you need to ask. So ask yourself this. Your company might be asking for an SDET, but the work which they have, does it need an SDET? They might ask for it. They may not need it. And most of the work which test automation guys are doing, or most of the work which exists in the industry, uh, as of now, I'm not talking of eventuality, it's not estate work. It's not estate work. So uh, a better question to ask is, what are those minimum things with which I can do great test automation? Learn programming. Learn design patterns. And employ them and practice as much as possible and you would do well, believe me. Rest is noise. You don't need ON. You don't need optimization that I want to write an algorithm O1 and O2. If you go back into background of when hiring of SDET and SCT, I've gone through those interviews, were done. They would even ask optimization of how to find this element in array. Believe me, we don't need that. I've done well so far without that knowledge. I don't, I, am I an SDET? I'm not. Am I good at programming? I strive to be design, architecture, I focus on that. And one of the big companies in the world who actually hire only SDETs actually contacted me and said that we are not able to solve this XYZ problem to which you have a solution. Would you like to join us? And when they took the interview, they asked me all the SDET questions. So of course I got rejected. And at the end I told them, this is why you're not able to solve your problem because you think SDETs can solve this problem. So people like me are not SDETs. We are techies. Uh, we know programming, we know design, but we are not your typical SDETs who would go into, uh, you know, algorithmic efficiency. Everything is not about algorithmic efficiency. And sadly, all SDET and SCT interviews are about algorithmic efficiency. So that's another sad state, by the way. Okay. So most of these startups push for that. They don't even know what they need. And all this IIT and background and everything, they think they would get SDETs and get the best quality product. And these are the best testers which they can get. And that's why I insist testing is a thinking process. So they miss out on those open-ended thinkers this way. 
in the process. Okay, and I think I'm a good mix between these two edges. I'm not a great exploratory tester. Shrini, Ajay, people on today's guide, Pradeep Sandrajan, these are the people, Ramit Manohar, these are the people who think that way. I'm not that guy. Am I an SDIT on the other edge? No, I'm not great like them as well. I'm the balance. So I, I miss out on most of the great work which they do, but I am a good proxy between them, okay? I can help in a conversation between both ends, and I think that's the role I chose to play as a consultant so far. Okay. Uh, so, SDET, should you be an SDET is a question you need to sit back and think. What's the meaning of being an SDET? Because, as I mentioned, most of the work in the industry is not even SDET work. So, if you're going on the SDET path, please go to Google, Facebook, Apple kind of companies. Okay. Not these regular pseudo SDET uh, hiring companies who don't know what they're doing. Just because they're paying a lot for that role doesn't mean it's an SDET role. Okay. Uh, most of that is manual work. They won't tell you that in interview, but they'll pay you well if that's your goal. Okay. Uh, are you saying framework is design patterns? Again, Park, because yes, it's not design patterns. So, what, uh, so Shreesh asks, what are your thoughts about estimating? I already answered that. Not the right time, sorry. Um, So Geo confirms uh, about the plotting and high charts integrated. So I think Geo and uh, Chirag need to interact uh, because uh, Geo has a similar experience that there's a high charts library. And for the validation of the content, they actually went for backend database and XML validation. So maybe you both can connect and just explore the solutions together. Okay, so uh, Rakesh is asking, uh, Rakesh Kirola, hello my friend. Uh, how do you convince people that web security testing is not about running a scanner? Uh, I prove it to them. Okay, uh, it takes time. It's after they have run the same people, they come to me for web security testing once they have run the scanners. Okay, at times they have even gone through these certification companies who certify your product is secure or something. Many of them are UK based or US based Indian companies anyways, we know in security space what they're doing mostly. Not all of them, but most of them. They sell it cheap and security testing is not cheap. So you pay, you get what you pay for. So once they've run, run the scanners and everything, it's then when the application comes to me and it's through my work which where I prove that these are the limitation of scanners. Scanners wouldn't have found this for you. So it's not a flaw with the way you ran the scanner. It's the way the human involvement was involved. And most of the people actually don't know this. Let me, for the benefit of everybody, tell you this. When you run a scanner, technically, it is not called security testing. Okay? If you read the literature, uh, security testing literature properly, it is not called security testing when you run a scanner. So when you say, I automated my security testing by this DevOps integration or something, no, sir, uh, no, ma'am, you didn't automate security testing. It's called vulnerability assessment. That's the technical word for it. And as the word suggests, it's an assessment. It's not a report. So the scanner tells you possibilities that these flaws might exist, may not exist. This is about what scanner found out. There are other things which scanners can't even test. Access control, validations, upload vulnerabilities. They don't even test them properly. It needs human uh, involvement. XSRF also, if you want to do properly, it needs human involvement. Many of them, password auditing, in general, logic-based attacks. There are many things scanners don't even do. 
in the areas which scanner covers also there are like thousands of things typically it would do in a recent test i'll give you an example there were 4500 plus vulnerabilities reported by the scanner i reported 17 from that scanner plus the testing which i do so think about this can if you send this report to developers with 4500 entries can they act on it so you see james buck chem canner they have insisted on all these values and in their work i don't agree to all their work but one part which they told about testing is extremely important for all of us to understand whether you're testers automation engineers whosoever you are we are information providers and i would want to add an adjective to that today okay we are actionable information providers not just any other information actionable information if people can't act on the information which you provided you are useless we are not bug loggers we are not information providers any information providers if you send that 5000 scanned bugs report it is information but it's bad information people can't act on it so we are actionable information providers that's what testing profession is about and in any engineering profession is about that internally so keep that in mind and rakesh that's how you can justify we can talk more on that uh, the specifics uh, if you are talking of a specific context i can help you further with this but in general your point is also correct and we need to fight this demon okay security testing is a wonderful case of exploratory testing work not a test automation work it, it's actually a very good blend of these two that how tools do their job and the human does its own uh, his or her own job it's a, it's a very good example of that how test automation can be helpful for iot applications so this is a question from disha uh, see test automation in general would be helpful for if you are able to get it right it would help you everywhere so whether it's iot any kind of application you talk about so i'm not getting the full context of this if so if you can elaborate it further uh, in the comments i would be happy to answer that uh, automation of captcha would be an example for this testability issue solving it as a black box problem yeah so uh, the way we talked about this comment was by shrini so the way uh, testability is a is a quality attribute automatability lending itself to automation is another quality attribute which people don't focus on and which is an extension of actually testability that does the software lend itself to be tested in an automated way okay in a manual way versus automated way sometimes the ways could be uh, different and different set of features or behaviors for example captcha can we get it switched off when it is lend itself you know the people try fancy things again around this breaking of captcha ocr libs and something please don't do that please stop doing that okay that's not the way spend the time on negotiation that month which you spent on ocr investigation and these things please spend the time on negotiating with management it would be much more uh, stable and kumar sarov adds a comment i agree ui testing has had or at least it's being done on a large scale then it should be its course uh, but how does one make sure that ui is okay if not ui automation a uh, very good question and i think this is a source of a lot of confusion as well uh, if you're doing well, it's just like testing before making it an automation question let's make it a testing question what do you test at ui layer whether the ui is working properly or not right why do you drive all the functionality via the ui even in manual testing you could have done testing most of the combinations and everything at the underlying layer in the ui check the ui 
but people use ui to drive their complete functionality their all their combinations thereby slowing it down and same thing holds for test automation also my friend okay in test automation also if you want to do ui automation it's not evil please understand i'm not passing that message here that stop doing ui automation but what should have been a 5% of your work don't make it 95% of your mix that's what i'm saying so even when you're doing ui automation you can always confine the number of things which you're doing there just do end to end scenarios basic scenarios not all their ifs and buts in this your ui would get tested in that if there are 40 errors which the backend can return you can just check one to two errors how do they appear when do they appear okay because you you are validating whether the errors are directly rendered where they are rendered why would you produce rest of the 38 errors in the ui and check that what did you learn about the ui that way actually nothing okay so just keep this is and this is another heuristic which i'm telling but you'll need to shortlist those scenarios what you do at ui what you do at underlying layers uh great you think about vi automation thanks for this uh, so geo this is not my vision at all that i'm saying thinking beyond ui automation uh this is all there for a decade plus or more so i'll not take credit for this i'm just appealing to the community that please listen to your wiser senses and uh, please do something about it thanks for acknowledging the message so mahesh mentions ramit reminded us about gold heuristic during yesterday's session so gold also applies to automation go one layer down so gold is just so there was this fashion of creating mnemonics and heuristics which i learned mostly from context in school which actually helps also and uh, helps learn uh, and put multiple concepts together in a sentence helps you remembering in that we used to do that in chemistry classes for example as well right fancy cloth bride in white attraction so complete column of those gases comes to your mind uh, so this heuristic i go one layer down is something which i developed uh, while i was delivering security classes but mahesh as he mentions go one layer down uh, to certain extent it would apply in automation as well that if you are testing at ui layer go one layer down and think for efficiency can one layer down make it easier okay however uh, as you go down the layers beyond a certain point it would become tougher rather than easier so when it comes to automation gold heuristic applies but it has uh, there is a, another kind of thought process here for example moving from you web ui layer to web services layer would deliver you okay so that's not a problem but similarly in network product if you're testing at let's say ui layer moving to tcp layer might deliver something but then moving from tcp layer to the lower stack it is not going to give you much uh, testing value as long as your goal is not the network stack itself but in security sometimes going to such layers depending on context might actually help okay so there's a little difference between applying the heuristic but yes it does have its applications across any forms of testing not just test automation So this next question from Anis, uh, which approach you follow, or you will suggest us for testing different layers of applications? I, I don't know what you mean by approach, Anis. Uh, approach of testing always has remained the same. Okay, uh, test design techniques also remain the same. Same thing holds. It's just the protocol of interaction changes. If you so you see when you test a software, you are testing a CLI or an API or UI. You interact with the software. if you are doing automation this interaction needs to be automated for example selenium is not a testing library in itself selenium is about browser automation appium is about mobile automation this is the interaction part around this whatever you do 
is the test, actual test automation part. And whatever layers you're talking about, different layers, web API layer. If you see a web service layer, interaction is sending a packet, getting the packet, able to pass it. The rest of the things, they're no different from doing it for Selenium. Okay, apart from building, of course, design models or other things, approaches remain the same. Unless you can elaborate further what you meant by that question, and then I can try to sort of add value to it. I just entered into the testing industry. I joined company as a manual test engineer. I want you to throw light on this. This question is by Ayush. Uh, so this is, uh, so Ayush, uh, welcome to the club, first of all. Welcome to the family. Um, see, this question hasn't changed, okay? It's 16 years for me. This used to be my question when I entered industry as a manual tester. Okay, there were very less sources of information at that time, and uh, the situation difference between yours and mine is nobody expected me to code. Nobody expected me to be technical at that time. It's I who realized it wasn't an industry buzz, industry need. People expected me to be that data entry operator, look at a test case sheet. Somebody else designed that. I look at that, uh, go to URL, enter this login name, enter this password. Were you able to log in? The, this is the nonsense thing which I did for initial part of my career before I came out of it. So today, uh, it is different. Uh, today, industry is going to expect technical skills from you, even if your current employer doesn't. So one thing we need to understand is don't depend on your employer for your learning. Okay. Any organizations I've ever worked with has helped me in learning. I was never in any useless employment. Even when I was doing manual testing, it was good for the time. It helped me get adjusted to the IT industry. I was new to it. So it was useful as well. But if I had depended on that and made a career out of it, I would not be here talking to you like this. So learn what you can from where you're working. Manual testing has value. And as I mentioned, it's the basis of everything. So you're doing good. However, if you can spare one hour every day and some more hours every weekend to fill in the gaps of knowledge, learn programming, explore beyond what your company is offering, I think you would be all right. But start taking that personal responsibility. Most of the people in this forum who are good names today, you look at Shirini, Ramit, Ajay, all these people, if they had depended just on the company, they would not have the name which they have today. So this is a story of everybody who has done well in the industry. Okay, so you are doing good. Uh, a lot of people are in your place. You're not alone. Don't worry, but study. Make it your responsibility. If any help direction is needed in that direction, please write to me. I can point you to sources. Don't expect me to do Google search on your behalf or anybody else. Answers which you can find with the basic Google search, please never waste anybody's time in asking that question yeah. or any of your peer, any of the person you're working along with. If you keep this one small fundamental in mind, you would know how beautiful our community is. There's so many people who would be there to help you if you respect the time. And if you take that responsibility, do the experiment, then reach out and then everything would be all right. We are here to help you, don't worry. Testers asking right questions will be in demand as asking right questions is human faculty. This is what Srini says, and of course he's right, asking the right questions. Uh, in fact, this is the name of a book, a great book, which I referred in the early stages of my career, asking the right questions. It, uh, it, is, it is written as a review book, or if you read an article in a, in, a, in a newspaper, how do you know the agenda behind the agenda, sort of. But it's a great book, and they have wonderful work. Uh, 
and Shrini as always is very expressive in his thoughts. So, 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 so happy to see him being a part of the uh, crazy MA. Thank you, Shrini. Okay, so Ramit, like the who asked you to be a pawn statement. Thank you. Thank you, Ramit. And that's the reality. It's definitely one of the key messages I wanted to pass today. I know him well enough. Okay, patterns. I love it when Rahul talks about patterns. He's a genius at it. Okay, thank you, Kumar. I am trying to get good at it, but it's a very, very, very broad science, I would say. And uh, okay, is okay. I'm just trying to differentiate between comments and questions so that I'm able to address more questions. Okay, so there's an acknowledgement of the importance of test design techniques. And I hope the people who are doing that are not looking down upon coding. They're not writing this because they hate coding or they would advise people against it. I've seen a lot of those people, a lot of my peers, they have moved on. Okay, I used to have all these debates a decade back with, in my friend circle. And they were very, you know, they, they used to say at that time that no, coding is not important. Most of those people have moved on. And I have grown from that point to respect manual testing more. So if you need gray hair like me to understand this, okay, wait for 10 years, then, then you would understand. Or a friend of yours from community is advising you today itself, why to waste 10 years to get a message that you can get now? Why don't you start respecting both of these today onwards itself? Save yourself time. We took too much of time, I think, to find this, most of us that I used to be like manual testing, okay, this is, I used to look down upon that. And today I don't say that, right? So. So, so look at this. So there is a reason we are saying all of this, uh, not just me, a lot of people you will find uh, who are actually advocating this today. Okay, so there's an acknowledgement about specialists and I stand by that. And see, this is like a prophecy. I'm not a, you know, astrologer or something, but I stand by this. And in many conferences, I've been telling this over and over again. And only time would tell when the time unfolds, but I strongly believe that uh, tomorrow, industry would ask for specialists. See, I've been saying this a lot of times that industry sets up a burger shop and makes burgers famous. This burger, that burger, this large burger, mega burger. And suddenly, 10 years later, it asks for pizzas. All pizzas have got killed. They died because nobody was asking for them. So now the pizza trend starts. And burger stores, they, they start to die. And 10 years later, they ask, oh, where is my burger? This is what industry is doing to you. Okay. Don't let it. Please don't let it. And the more voices we have, uh, we, can, we can sort of at least position that it's a specialized skill. I'm not saying all of this army of testers from India is going to be that specialist zone. No, no. The jobs would be less of, of this nature. Okay. But those jobs, when they exist, when they come into existence, most of the specialists would be gone. because they're not valued today. So why would the person spend 10 years more to become a specialist? Unless you understand it now and try to make sense of it from now onwards, ready for tomorrow. That's the investment you need to make. That's your choice. Okay. So just keep that in mind. And uh, stakeholders are just being happy having a look at automation report. Hardly anyone is checking what type of assertions are in place. So Mahesh is adding point about the true nature of what automation does in the community or in, in organizations. And uh, he's right about it. I see a lot of assertions. 
So you see, we need green eggs. This is like a chicken farm for us, all our automated tests, or at least in the eyes of management. Whenever there's a test which fails, automation engineer starts being afraid of it, as if it is his or her fault that an automation test failed. So, oh, what would my manager say? What would my manager, I should do something about it. Rather than informing it that, oh, test informed about a problem and let's fix that, the person gets conscious about the test itself and goes ahead and deletes the assertions. And I thought this is a problem with test automation done by testers. But I was in Agile India conference last week and um, uh, the organizer of the conference, wonderful guy, Naresh, so he took a presentation in which he actually said, actually, developers also do the same to, to the unit code as well, unit testing code. So we are not alone, okay? We are not alone. Test automation in general, uh, people do it to save their time and then they do it to save their, uh, you understand what I'm saying, right? So we, we are playing with the data. We, that metric of 98% pass or something, that becomes the goal. And Srini uh, used to talk about it earlier. Uh, he has not used that word in recent conversations, but he used to say this is called goal displacement. Okay, that you introduced test automation to solve a certain goal of about quality and getting information, but then you make it a goal that 98% pass rate is your goal. And to get there, it is like yen kien prakarin. If not this way, that way I'll ensure that 98% is the rate. And that's where it is sheer case of goal displacement. Uh, okay, so there is Kumar who's asking me, where's my question? And uh, let me see, where is this question really? So his question is again AI related because uh, kind of you, you think I can answer to <laughs> answer any AI on an ML question to you. I'm not the right person. So in which part or which phase of test automation can AI and or ML be applied? Uh, I, I think those possibilities would theoretically exist in all phases. Okay. So there are two parts to it. One is applying of testing knowledge for AI and one is applying of AI for testing. So you're asking the latter, I think, part of it. And uh, with my half knowledge, I, I, or no knowledge actually about A and ML, I should not be tackling it. But uh, I, I think theoretically possibilities exist for all phases. So rather than drawing a line today, uh, let people's creativity over the coming years actually answer this. Okay, and Nishant adds a point. SDET started by Microsoft. It's Rest in peace, as discussed with Microsoft employees, there is no role of SDET. Uh, uh, just so that you know that Google also had this trend of uh, uh, this SETs. And at some point when they realized that there are certain kind of engineers, we need not just fully dedicated of creation of tools, but to actual test, although they had a programming interview and everything, but that role is called actually test engineer. So you see all these tech companies, they have realized over a period of time, but by that time, the aping companies have already aped the complete wrong. They move, don't move. They don't learn from the further lessons. They are caught up with the buzzwords. Again, UI automation related. Some question is there. Let's uh, for design patterns check this book. Head first design patterns. That's a suggestion from Shrini Kulkarni. I can vouch for that. That's the book I studied as my first book on design patterns. But just keep in mind that. Pattern thinking is one thing. Design patterns 
are the applied pattern thought process of four individuals that book covers maybe half of that so design head first design patterns is not pattern thinking it is a good start it introduces some patterns to you the advantage of pattern thinking but don't stop there please okay you need to think in terms of that you could have bug patterns for example not a concept from devil at all so bug patterns what are the problem patterns conversational patterns so you, if so patterns is a is a general thing and the more we talk and think in terms of patterns it it sort of helps us just enough software automation is one good book another su suggestion coming from the community by ashish and uh, Okay, so let me look at it. How do you know you are is okay? Let us kill human tester. Look at it. Okay. So Kumar is saying that you are testing to some scale is necessary. Of course, Kumar, it is necessary. Okay. So don't take extreme decisions with respect to anything that this is totally unnecessary or this is necessary. So if one message you want to take, as I mentioned earlier, the answers. are not boolean answers mostly it's not true false yes or no it's how much how much automation at what layer how much of automation so target the right mix when you start getting the mix right you would start seeing the advantages till that mix is right you would see small and small hiccups here and there okay uh and so there are some other comments from that i i think some of these what i'll do is i'll try to consolidate some of these things things which we discussed in comments and maybe try to add some things uh there's a suggestion from shani on unit testing so let's park it if we find time like towards others because i know i'm here to sort of stay but um people might get tired along the way so when most of the people have got what they want and people are still uh you know trying to get Uh, stick to the conversation that time we'll pick some of these things which may not be applicable for a lot of people okay so uh, i took a lot of i think i am to, towards last 5 6 comments on the current running comments so i'll move to the initial uh, you know comments list and uh, uh so that we are addressing some of the questions which actually came to us earlier as well so uh, there's a question from sushant uh, uh, on my google forms uh, which automation framework is the best and the tool to learn and automate easily there is nothing called best don't look for that answer at all anywhere in any context there's nothing called best uh, whatever my work your work anybody's work it's just attempts at getting good things in place so nothing called best framework as such and tool to learn and automate easily again it's a contextual question you will need to first of all find out which layer you're talking about if it is ui layer selenium is pretty easy and approachable it has multi language bindings you could try it at uh, if you're working at web service layer and you're working in for example java so you could pick up apache uh, http client and experiment with it uh, you could um, if you are into manual or exploratory testing you could try out postman uh if you're in python world requests is a wonderful library or maybe you can try high level like rest assured is a is a decent library in java world so it depends upon which layer you're talking about you haven't mentioned the tech or anything here so i can only 
answer at a high level. There's a question from Pratik. Uh, can we really sustain in the testing industry with scriptless automation testing tool and expertise around it? Uh, no, Pratik, you can't. Vendors are serving this to you today. And there are many others. They, this is the same story. Uh, people tried to do it in record and playback in the beginning. No testers, no testing knowledge needed, technology needed, just record and playback. That failed. Uh, most of the companies, even today, they do it. Uh, Keyword-driven testing, they call it. So that solves a certain subset of the problems. But then again, people who are doing only using those frameworks and just typing keywords, English keywords, they are not automation engineers, although they put it in their profile that they're automation engineers. People who work in such contexts, okay, and for a long time, and they're not doing anything else apart from that, you are killing your profile slowly and slowly. It's a slow death of your profile. There's no, uh, there's no other way to put it, okay? Uh, these are confused souls. They think that they use the script less for three years. They'll build a profile of an automation engineer. Uh, they are not automation engineers. They are actually not testers mostly because test design also mostly is done by others. They are data entry guys actually. They took uh, data from or translators, data translators or test translators. They look at test design from somebody else. They know the keywords here. They help represent this in this language. So they are neither writing test nor automated tests. So they are actually not into any of those categories. They need to run away from this as far as possible and as quickly as possible. Okay. Little bit is okay. Understand how the person might have developed this. Dig deeper. If that opportunity exists, you can maybe look into that. There's nothing wrong with KDT, but in my opinion, it serves the business need better than the testers' learning need. Okay. So look at it from that perspective um, quickly moving to like other like three four things are there so that list would finish so from Nishant there is a question how data structures would help testers if you're writing code uh, I'll have some water please so any automation code which you write at some point you would feel the need to represent data and very basic structures are usually coming your way. So deep data structure knowledge, trees, binary trees, and those things may not be needed for most of the work which you do. So don't spend too much energy there, okay? If you already know that, that's okay. That, that would anyways, that's a knowledge asset. Anything you study is going to help you, but not at initial stage. What I'll suggest is that rather than data structures, please use built-in structures in the right way, okay? Uh, if uh, you are going for a lookup, for example, and the order doesn't matter for lookup. Okay. Uh, if you have, rather than creating a list, please create a set. At least this much knowledge is expected. If it is a map problem, dictionary problem, don't make it a list problem. Okay. Don't do too much level of nesting. Look at the data types which you are using there. Don't create strings when it is a confined set of strings. Use an enum. At least these basics, people should get right. Everybody. Then we need to think about deeper things and data structures or binary trees if the problem context needs that. So in my opinion, for most of the test automation work we do, okay, even deeper like test automation framework design, actually the only things which are needed is no dictionaries. What is an ordered dictionary? What is an unordered dictionary? What is the difference between a list and a set? Okay, when to use a list, when to use a set? At least these basic containers, please get it right. And then most of the things, they start falling into place. 
Shuni has a question. If someone brings you something that they call as a framework, ask you to evaluate it, how would you go about evaluation and what questions will you ask? So this is directly related to the work which I, I currently handle as a consultant, uh, which is uh, I review uh, automation code. So the typical process uh, for those who are like interested in this or you happen to interact with me in the future is that uh, I ask people to present their code. I strongly suggest them or advise them, please do not use a slide deck. I am not interested in beautiful diagrams which you show to your management. Please use a whiteboard, talk about it, draw rough diagrams. Rough diagrams are all okay. Okay, and then all the team members who are involved in that need to be present in that room. Which role who played, which parts who contributed, who took strategic decisions, why were those decisions taken? These are the questions I ask. It's not a scrutiny. It's an attempt at genuinely understanding what they have built. This is followed by a walkthrough. Through the walkthrough, I showed, ask them to show different parts right from the flow perspective. And in that, I start taking notes. And Typically, I can tell you that this walkthrough doesn't last maybe half an hour or something before I have located opportunities for at least 50-60% code reduction. Because this master script which uh, Gio mentioned at the beginning, that's the biggest anti-pattern in frameworks. I saw one such master script which had 40,000 line, 40, lines of code. Okay, just to give you an idea, the guideline for a developer is 50 lines. So as a tester, you can take relaxed approach. I have never said that automation code is dev code. I never make such pretentious claims. Industry does, and then they write such code, okay? Make it 100, stop at 100. Okay, can't stop, no problem. Stop at 200, stop at 300, stop at 500, but at least stop at 500. Take 10 times leniency than a developer. But at least somewhere we need to stop with all this you know, stuff. How many classes would you create? How many copies of tests would you create? Variables, the guideline is one instance variable per class. Create two, create five. What, what is this 100 variables, 50 variables, 60 variables? So you see, if you want to, this, this is what I see industry stuck at, testing community mostly, test automation engineers, that basics of programming is what is missing. So most of my review actually sorts these things out and by the time we are done with that, things start falling into place. So it's not actually much deeper science. I solve very simple problems for the community. I help them getting engaged with the basics of programming, not heavy design, not heavy design at all. That would start falling into place actually, eventually. We need to get these basics right, okay? So you can, I, I'm typing a name here, apart from patterns and something, please, Search for it. I hope I'm spelling uh, it right. It's called Object Calisthenics. Uh, it's from ThoughtWorks Anthology. Please find it on the web. Study a bit about it in the language of interest and uh, you'll get a lot of good. Um, it's not patterns. It's actually uh, some things which would sound counterintuitive to you first. For example, one of the Object Calisthenics entry is don't use else. Don't use else. We have been taught to use if else, if else, if else. One of the points there is don't use else. And uh, it's such a powerful, powerful pattern. Not pattern in the sense of design patterns, but in the coding when you write. It, that single pointer teaches you actually a lot about how to reduce and make your code actually more robust. Just have a look at that. Very, very interesting work from ThoughtWorks. 
Yatin Madan will appear be there in next 10, 15 years for mobile automation or replaced by other tools. Uh, what, see, I don't know about Appium, but 15 years from now, I don't think so. I would be in the IT industry. Uh, whether Appium would be there, I think it's done by intelligent set of people. Their needs of the industry will change along the way. So in some form, it might exist. Sometimes the project concludes, but its concepts, they prolong in the format of uh, other projects. So it's a very intelligent work done. So although it might or might not be there in it as Appium or something there, but the work which these guys have done in some form of an inspiration or some lib extension somewhere, uh, I think uh, this work is going to have that kind of time span. But don't build your career out of Appium. Okay, uh, Your profile should not be I know Selenium 3, I know Appium this. Please be a test automation engineer. These are just tools of the trade at any point in time in your career. And as new tools get introduced, please get conversant with that. And the common thread across all tools would always be programming and design. That's the reason I keep insisting on that. Okay, uh, These are just libraries. They come and go. So from that perspective, yes, don't make a career out of a tool. Okay, You are not Appium 3.4. You're a tester. Keep that in mind. Uh, Ramit has asked, what are the key aspects of automation design you see mostly missing in frameworks when you evaluate them? Uh, see, I see a lot of missing points. Uh, th that is uh, like a deeper, detailed answer to that. It takes me months to answer that for a single project, actually, fully. Uh, but typical problems which I see is, and it's a non-tech thing, as I mentioned, it's lack of seriousness, lack of pride. So if one line I have to tell about what is the like the worst thing you see about test automation code ever, it's the lack of pride. Okay, Test automation engineers don't take pride in the quality of the code which they write. They take pride in solving the problem. But now, not how ugly or beautiful that solution is. It's not their interest area. So, if if you change, it's a question of intention, not knowledge. Some of those people actually know programming, but still they write shabby code because the intention doesn't exist. Intention to take pride in the quality of the code which they write. Okay, and it makes a lot of a difference. All bad variables scattered here and there, bad method names, bad packages. So right from there, I know that what is the code going to look like. People say that it's just a coding convention. Yeah, but if you're following the conventions, you good names. From there, by look at the project directory structure itself, you know what quality of code would be there because the person who wrote that class name would write shabby code inside. So it's a smell. You can smell it. And that's what I, I, I see. I remember one of the uh, project reviews. I looked at the project structure. I didn't know. I had, I, the, even the presentation hadn't happened. I looked at the first class name and I asked them immediately after that, do you have five copies of this? And he said, yes, that's what code structure can tell you. It tells the intent of the person. And it wasn't just five, he lied, it, it was actually 16 because there were other factors involved. So, so anyway, so what I'm saying is the deepest problem is intent. If you get the intent right, then things can be taught. Otherwise, even if, if you learn, like developers, they already know the programming, but some developers write great code, some developers don't even focus on the design or other things. So have the intention of writing good quality code, okay? Because it adds up. So there is a 
uh, I think, uh, yeah, he's called Uncle Bob. So he has a principle on coding, which I find very powerful. In general, about any of our work, even if you're doing manual testing, it's called Boy Scout Rule. So, it, so if you enter a playground, let's say, and uh, you find it in state X of cleanliness, when you leave that playground or that area, leave it cleaner than when you found it. Simple. If you leave it dirtier than when you found it, it adds on the dirtier side. If you leave it cleaner, then a few months you'll find it's like shining. That's what happens to code as well, to your code, somebody else's code. And keep in mind that as Python's founder actually said, that code is read more than written. So whatever automation code you're writing, the number of times it is going to be read is much more than the times you wrote it actually the time which you spent so read it write it with the intention that somebody including you is going to read it one day and let that not be the day you applied for a leave you won't get it okay so make life easy uh, treat this this such code as your legacy leave a good legacy for your teams when you leave they should not curse you that this is what this is the kind of work which he did okay so code is a legacy keep in mind it would outlive your presence in a team or in an organization also. So people are going to remember you for that, whatever you created in bad or good way. So that was the list of the uh, written down questions. And uh, Mahesh has again sent to me the questions. So Mahesh, I think I addressed the automation report related thing. If there is another aspect, please uh, get back to me on the comments, please. Okay, so we have, why do you say Go is picking up and Python might be overtaken by Go? Is it not true that we should choose language based on the project? In some areas, Python overtakes Go and in some Python can't even compete with Go. I think that point is uh, right, Kumar. Uh, but if you look at the trend, uh, there, there is a huge trend of um, languages which are more concurrent, okay? Uh, and uh, more, more performant. So Python has a limitation that it doesn't perform very well when the calculation is more, more CPU oriented, means it needs more CPU power because there's a global interpreter lock. Okay, so, and the, uh, 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 for example, in microservices, you'll find this transition already happening. So Python would survive because it has this huge presence in ML and security space. But as those problems in nature changes, uh, Python's market share is going to decrease. So that's what I'm mentioning that. And I love Python. And after that, I'm telling it. After spending a decade in as a Python coder, that we should not, and that's a mistake I've done as well, that we should not be so passionate about a technology that we are blinded to a trend, which is changing. So I, I foresee that trends are changing for the nature of programming languages. JavaScript, for example, in my opinion, is going to, uh, it's not going to have that market share some years from now. It's not the language of the future. So on Python also, there's going to be an impact. I'm not saying Go is the future, but Go and languages like Go are the future. Maybe the next version of Go's implementation. Okay, but concurrency oriented, compiled languages are the, are more, would grow in more and more contexts as we go forward. Okay, that's my, uh, I foresee that happening, may or may not, but uh, that's what I 
I suspect is going to happen. Uh, okay, so did I leave out any questions? Are there any any more questions? Yes. So um, uh, Shrini is asking, what is my view on percentage automation? So Shrini, no such percentage, no such percentage exists in my mind. There could be projects, for example, and I'm perfectly okay with that in which there is 0% automation. Okay. But one thing is for sure, I don't believe in 100% automation. Okay. So I can believe in one side of the extreme, given the nature of the problem, that everything is exploration. But whether 100% automation is possible, because 100% of what, first of all? Okay. We don't even know how many tests should be conducted. It's an impossibility. So 100% is not possible. That's I'm sure. So in this range, where do we stand? What is the correct one? Uh, I think it's, it's, there's no definite answer for that. Uh, what kind of specifications you use for building automated tests? BDD style or open-ended uh, manual test cases? This is uh, something, uh, again, not an area where I, I deal with. Um, and specifications, uh, I'm not sure on that. Maybe you can elaborate on the question. That's specifications for building automated tests. So do you mean representation of the test in an automated way that Gherkin is what uh, you're mentioning? Or uh, what is it? If you can sort of elaborate on this a little further. And what's your view on using OWASP ZAP for automated vulnerability assessment, pen testing, DevSecOps or something? Uh, my opinion about OWASP ZAP is not very high. Uh, it's a good tool to use because you don't not, you're not spending any money. Uh, it's open source. And uh, actually, that doesn't matter because open source in this context doesn't matter. We don't do anything about whether it was open source. We just want it to be open source. So free is the more important part here. It's a free tool. And uh, for experimentation, it's okay. But for practical work, uh, you can use it, but don't depend on it fully. So there are, uh, I find Burp Suite is a uh, better uh, scanner and not that costly. Some of the scanners are very, very costly. In INR, they could go up to 50, 55 lakhs. But uh, Burp Suite scanner is like 30,000 per user license which is way, way cheap for the kind of quality it gives. So if you're asking this question as an individual uh, and you don't want to spend on that, which I can fully relate to. So from learning perspective, is OWASP ZAP good? Yes. As an organization, I don't know about even a single organization who cannot afford 30,000 rupees for an year to spend on a tool. So don't, so from organization perspective, I'll say, please don't be such miserly. Uh, please, uh, Please spend on it. 30,000 worth. Uh, it is like way more worth. So Burp Suite uh, is way, way better scanner than Zap any time of the day. This I am telling after using both. The difference is so huge that I can't even recommend Zap in comparison to Burp at all. And I'm not a Burp Suite agent. Okay. So uh, it's, it's, I think, one of the best things out there. And at the rates which you can't even ignore, you can't, you can't think of a great tool available at such 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 cheap throwaway prices. So pay for it is the answer. And uh, okay, so I just see in the previous uh, comments there was something related to unit testing. Unit testing by automation. 
Okay. Spend some time on unit testing. Remember a conversation on marks and seams. So, uh, so, so unit testing, uh, this is another point of discussion. People uh, ask that can testers contribute in unit testing? Uh, they can, but don't, please. Don't, don't go into that trap. In some companies, it might work. Very, very few companies. Very, very few companies, small size teams, it might work. But unit testing is not our job. Identification of tests uh, at unit testing is also not our job. Don't, don't go there at all. It would distract you from a lot of work. Temporarily, if you're doing from learning perspective, it is okay. I don't think so we fit there at all because it is very, very closely tied to uh, the internals of the software. And the unit testing, when I say it's pure form of unit testing, I'm not saying any testing which developer is doing is unit testing. That's a misconception. Uh, unit testing is actual white box testing in the sense at classes or function level, you look at the code based on the code, you are sort of designing the unit test. If it is TDD anyways, you don't fit there. Okay. However, at what do you do when you want to become a white box tester at a higher level layer, like component layer or something, that's a layer where we can fit. So why unit testing and learning unit testing is important is uh, there is no white box testing book available there. That's the, there is no proper book on objective oriented code testing. Some couple of things are available, but there is no proper white box testing book written ever. Okay, a title like white box testing. So if you want to learn white box testing, our only way is to pick up a unit testing book, learn from it, mocks, stubs, and all those things. How do we use those strategies? Then translate that work for ourselves. Because so that's the only source of information you'll ever find. Testers don't write white box testing books. We write books mostly about ROI of automation, process of automation. Only in recent years, there is this trend of writing some good books, tech books, hands-on books in automation world. But you'll find all those books are again Selenium book or um, Selenium practical guide, which, which are good like books on the subject. But we just find tool books or process books. There are no books on automation architectures or white box testing or the technicalities for a tester. There are no books around that. So the only way we are left with is that we go through dev books, we study unit testing and those things. That's where it maybe might be relevant for you. As a work or a task, it should not be a constant task in which you are involved. In the long run, it won't benefit. Do you see anything around which may help in review and hence helping catching such work? If no, reviewing on such a large scale stays practical. So uh, Mahesh, uh, question is around uh, assertions. That if somebody is playing with assertions, how do you catch it? Uh, see, I don't know. I think it should be an engine feature. And Arjuna is a frame is an engine I've been experimenting with for some years. So this is a fundamental problem. So I try to experiment with it. For example, what happens if you put a try catch block? Uh, an assertion happened, you silenced it. This is a fundamental problem again. So things keep passing. So I, I have written Arjuna in a way that whenever an assertion happens at the back end, it is already recorded. 
by the time it comes to your comes back to your test code whatever you do with it you can't silence it really you can comment it of course and the only practical measure i see is that if the framework which you are writing you keep a track of how many assertions were executed as a part of test okay as sort of, sort of steps so if you see uh, inconsistencies from one test to other that last time these many assertions were there this time these assertions are there one thing here and there are okay but if you see these are like huge trends then that's a code smell which you can catch and it is something which is solvable using uh, coding so rather than just test result just see break up that and then have a mechanism to sort of compare that what exactly happened in the test so most of your step related logic which you're writing today you'll need to build a logic around that so that should be possible so specifications is equal to test cases written by manual tests that's what shrini is adding that how do you basically define your tests as automated tests so shrini it's a representation thing so i don't be, so what is happening now is that whenever there is a new test representation let's say you are writing a test class and methods inside it as a test representation that's one way to do it a script could be a test representation a bdd style a gherkin given when then could be a test representation a keyword driven test is a test representation and similarly you could have other ways so what is happening in the if, if you see the trend is and again absolutist approach that if you want bdd style use cucumber if you want class kind of writing use this engine if you want scripts use this engine i think this problem is not totally solved by people the the creator of the framework imposes the way which he or she likes the best so that's where you see an overkill okay that you would see companies using cucumber for all their ui testing they don't even stop and think that was that the purpose of gherkin given when then syntax is for story testing are all the tests which you are writing user stories user stories are 10 20 30 40 50 they are not 10000 they are not 9000 1000 so it is being misused similarly people who tried with kdt once they start on kdt they start an organization push everything all our tests should be kdt kdt has a good intention business intention mostly that testers are non techies let's not invest on building them as programmers let's actually kill their careers in the long run that was a black joke for us and the reality yeah let's kill their careers and uh, solve the problem but over a period of time actually people realize that all the problems are not solvable using kdt some code is to be written you know what where do they write it and i have seen it so many times i see code written in excel sheets python code c sharp code so the moment that had that moment had come to them it was talking to them our automation talks back to us we are not listening the moment you were tempted to write a code in excel cell was the moment you should have realized this is not the problem which should be solved using kdt but people by that time they have a dogma they have a ritual they have this way of doing there's a process there's a step around it so they don't even think they just go ahead and once that entry is made the person documents this process how to write an extension using code in an excel and then you see thousands of these entries hundreds of these entries over a period of time this is what we are doing as a community okay and this would be awarded also by the way that month this person manager might clap for him this person found a way rather than saying that boss this is not the way 
Okay, nobody's challenging these things at all. So I think we need to look at, I, I call it, isko bolte hai ke bada dil hona chahiye. Acceptability. We say tolerance and acceptability, right? Code also have, should have this as a quality. Acceptability. The frameworks should have a bigger heart. Why would a framework impose one style of test representation? So to answer your question in short, Shrini, why should have, I have one style of specification for defining an automated test. I, and all my research so far, okay, I try. I haven't succeeded at it fully, okay? But my goal always is, can a KDT test, a Gherkin test, or your regular class-based test, or a script-based test, can they coexist in the same framework so that you represent the right automated test using the right kind of specification? That's what the I think the goal needs to be. So it's not which kind of specification we should focus as what kinds of specifications we are going to support. And uh, I actually focus on the like, design of frameworks from that perspective so that they, it adds more flexibility. Why choose one way? Why just have a gulab jamun when I can have gulab jamun and barfi as well? So I'm thinking. Okay. I hope that answers. Uh, and I'm sorry, guys, I, when I look at a question, and depending on the question, of course, I get involved. And in the mode of this communication, I might be sort of taking tangents and at times make it boring, but that's who I am. I get involved with some of this, this thing. So I'll, I try to keep it short, but I get carried away at times. Okay, so I'll try to control myself. Okay, so there is a question from Kumar. In my current organization, when I write code, the review comments would ask me to add space around equal to sign, for example, this. Also some things like remove that extra line space. What I mean is a lot of attention on formatting, even if the code is logically right, they would spend the whole day on those things. What do you think about this practice? A serious question. Okay, 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 Kumar. Uh, because I am um, I'm also a perpetrator of, of what is being done to you, I do this to a lot of people as well. But here is the difference. This is not uh, the preference. If there are other problems lurking around and all your attention is just on comment or space or these things, then I don't stand by it, okay? However, uh, let, let's say you reach a place A with the code maturity, right? So if you have reached there and you find that no more comments are coming your way about your code quality, then take it in the spirit of that, okay, I can do better than this. Then it won't irritate you. And writing A equal to one without space and A space equal to space one takes the same typing time. But in terms of readability of the code, it has a huge impact. So I know from where you're coming, and if these are the only nature of codes, uh, you know, comments coming your way, yes, it gets irritating. Okay. So I try not to be this person. And you also need to try that you don't become this person in code reviews for others because it gets to nerves that the, every time this person uh, sits with me, the only value he adds is write this comment, indent this, right? So don't make reviews just about this. And when you go into review rule also, and I try, I try to get better at this also, that this can only be taught to people when you teach them the value of readability of their code. Okay, that's the only way. It's not a space problem 
or indent the single indent problem. It's the overall structure problem that what's the value of readability? And beyond a certain point, it can come only with self-discipline. No amount of review, review meetings would actually solve this. So beyond a certain point, when I see this, that this is still remaining, I actually leave that and stay away from it. Okay, so uh, that, that uh, that's that. But yeah, I'm not saying it's not important. Okay, this is important. There's value in it. And uh, just arrange your code in this way and just do a diff, a uh, visual diff. As a human, do that diff that this is how it was looking. This is how it was looking. You'll understand the beauty of well-organized code. And then nobody has to pass a review comment because that's your default typing habit. Okay, uh, but yeah, we should not make reviews just about this because this becomes actually irritating. The purpose of reviews are not to just find a point and give some review comment. A good review could also be everything is all right. Let's move on. Okay, people forget that at times. I, at times, I, I do that and I curse myself later that I could have just said everything is okay. Why I had to add that one comment just for the sake of it. So I can understand your point. Yeah. So uh, I'm at the end of the comments. So how are we doing? So no more questions. Are we done? Did I miss anything? I've just tried to answer them all. Whatever I could find. So in case I've left anything. Rahul, you have any, so there's a question from Ravi. Uh, you have any reference for framework to refer on web or Git? I feel that will be helpful in learning better ways upon reading and understanding the framework. So uh, see, I can I can uh, sort of share with you. Uh, I just make it a point that I'm, I don't sell frameworks or tools which I develop because it is it should be more of interest based. So in case you want to have a look at them, uh, uh, like I developed, so just to give you a history of uh, some of the work which I've done. Uh, so I started with a framework called Raft, Rapid Application Framework for Testing or something like that. Uh, there were some experiments on multi-language thing which I did in Java and Python together. After that, I developed an engine called Unity. It solved certain set of problems and it was closed source all this work at that time. After that, I created Arjuna Java from all these learnings. And it was also closed source. We used it in production for three years. It served many companies. Uh, sometime last year, uh, I created Arjuna Python. I translated all the code and also created something called Daksh, which was a Java framework. So this is where the current state of the frameworks lie. So what I'll do is I'll maybe, uh, you can check them on uh, my company website, which is testmile.com. I am typing it in the comments, you can check that. So you'll find two menu items there, Arjuna and Daksh, you can go there. Now, while you're experiment during this time, I want you to uh, want to tell you the direction where it is headed. Uh, I am now working, I did my POC project last two months on a project called Setu, which means bridge. So I have identified the problem that every time you create a framework and when you move from one language to other, you actually repeat 90% of your work. I had to do that for my recent client. I developed something in Java for them. Then they had a C sharp project. I again rewrote most of configuration management, data driven, Excel readers, localization, everything again. <coughs> sorry, uh, C sharp. Then in this Jan, it started for TypeScript slash JavaScript. And again, we went through the same cycle. So 
what i'm trying to develop now is can can i develop a framework as a service okay i'm calling it fast and that's what setu project is about i did poc in feb and march by trying a java python java bridge it works and uh, so what you would see happening in next 8 to 9 months is uh, that all this daksh arjuna work is actually going to merge into a single project there would be java and python based implementations coming up there would be selenium and apm support in it along with web services testing i'm targeting somewhere around december for this work to complete and an implementation in which you have the possibility of writing a client in a new language so if you if you write typescript code you can build a framework which talks to the same engine and something if this is something which sort of interests you as a concept you can uh, talk to me if this is something which you look at the code and there are pieces in it uh, you would like to understand more about again um, you can reach out to me if this is something you want to try out in your organization or at a personal learning level please reach out to me okay uh, because this is my years work and one of the things which i decided is that i am going to open source everything i build i want to keep it free so uh, thanks ravi for uh, like mentioning it i am here to help with that and the more of you who experiment with it i think this is going to improve i would understand the real needs of the industry better and i'll uh, continue contributing that way okay so testmile.com go there on the right hand side corner uh, top corner you would find both these icons so daksh is java based arjuna is python based just pick any library both of these are hosted on github you can go there download and if you face any difficulty um, just let me know okay and please mind it i'm not saying these are perfect frameworks my my research is more into object design and something you would find that kind of examples plenty in them how to structure things together how to build interfaces abstract things behind it those there you would find lots and lots of design patterns factory method singleton builder design pattern adapter so you'll find lot of practical implementation of some of the concepts which people talk about theoretically but in the frameworks they don't even implement them those examples they are like a lot of concepts in this so from the perspective of just learning how to translate some of those concepts also this could be uh, like a, a like good thing which you could explore and just let me know whatever help i can do in the matter so there's a question from geo what was the biggest automation failure yes i missed that question geo i'm so sorry i think i answered only one of your questions and i moved on uh what was my biggest automation failure so do you mean to ask me like all my projects <laughs> um i'll tell you a story i don't want to create a story for this okay because yes i i want to relate a story where it of fail failure a costly failure which costed us maybe around uh, 7 lakhs in two days that was the cost of that failure and of course apart from the noise it created and client things or something we hear these stories about dev code millions of dollars or something but in indian rupees 7 lakhs is decent enough for a small company in two days that's a lot of loss especially when the project value is lesser than <laughs> so i was doing this uh, performance test automation and back in the days 
sometime in I think 2005-2006. So old story, but I have never forgotten the lesson from that. So um, we were using this JMeter-based automation, and we wanted to uh, read data and sort of so that across multiple threads you can have um, different data consumed. And for that, because we need to distribute the data across multiple machines, which JMeter doesn't really provide on its own, at least at that time now, I don't know. Uh, so there was a small web service which was created, Java-based. So what this Java web service would do is, it we had dedicated a machine to it. And this would load, uh, read a CSV file in which all the data was provided to it. So it basically loads an in-memory data structure. So let's say if you have five machines which need now this data, with like let's say a thousand threads in running in parallel so these machines jmeters would send a web request to this particular host get the data back and then use that data for simplicity's sake let's say it was login username and password which was in the csv everything this is this script has been used like for a long time and everything seemed to work the mistake which i did was i left two blank lines at the end of this data because of which what was happening is that after every few threads it would get a blank line and this tool would not actually ignore that line or something it would send this as a valid data back to jmeter now at that point at that load when it had reached the response times were supposed to uh, they were very high at, at that time but in an error situation the response would come back quickly so for this blank record, JMeter started recording very less response time, but uh, and uh, errors which were not real errors. So during these tests, we were not running this as unattended tests. We were in constant conversation with the client. So you see, um, so what did we achieve? Throughout the test, we were passing wrong information to the client. We were giving wrong information about response time. And we were going giving wrong response, uh, this error-related information. Those errors didn't even exist, and it was a disaster. And I think it, oh yeah, I think I remember it wrong. Uh, the tool, this problem was correct. This tool was not JMeter. This was Webload. So there was a licensing, a floating license, which we had got for that day, and uh, uh, that day is over, and uh, that money was lost. Test had to be conducted again. Now, whose problem was it? We can treat this as a human mistake. Why did I leave two blank lines? But is it, should a test automation framework punish a human user like this? Now this is the usability question I'm talking about. Couldn't we have written the read line logic in a way that it ignores blank lines and moves on? In that case, this problem wouldn't happen. So this is where I say that some of these human mistakes or usability of a framework don't punish a human user like casing mistakes i see okay that people read these configuration properties and they want them to type in that exact same uh, like casing otherwise it doesn't work or if they leave a space at the beginning space at the end it won't work these are not this is not what is expected out of a human you need to write the framework in a way that whatever mistakes are possible and are not like fat, fatal mistakes the framework should have a big heart to accept it, parse it, and use it. So these are this this small, silly thing you would say. It was a big automation failure for me.
and a big lesson that you know and i have that changed my way of looking at um, automation altogether that i need to assume that humans make mistakes and if i don't handle that i could be doing very costly mistakes and so i it changed my whole design philosophy of test automation and this people don't even talk about it in all this design patterns or all those books they don't even mention these kind of things that's where i think there's a big gap between the practical needs and the happy sort of okay so this is a question with smile why not why arjuna why not arjun so yeah, so i i come from northern belt of india and if i was staying there i would have definitely named it arjun because i wasn't used to the idea of of the swar at the end but uh, so i always used to see why rama why not ram why people spell in english krishna why not krishna so i think this is more of a difference of dravidian languages and sanskrit versus atmar style I, i think arjuna sounds a little better so <laughs> i would like to think so i think that that's uh, about geo's question and uh, he's asked something about maintenance and something and there's no definite answer to that so if if you're doing ui automation only um, roi is going to be a moving target you would hardly ever see it none of the companies who do ui automation ever, ever actually get any roi out of it it's a myth Uh, they're fooling with stats internally also externally also it's a scam running for like a lot a lot of times so i don't see any true stories out there of gui automation and roi they might be successful stories of gui automation but justification for roi or those numbers i think those are bloated numbers unnecessary they uh, most of them are false statistics so how do we uh, go forward the rate at which questions uh, was coming i i think so if we are sort of done for the day just let me know so there's a question from uh, gorov about how do we make sure that our interface or our uh, framework is scalable like we should be integrate uh, able to integrate future texts and concepts uh, so there are uh, so so kumar there are two levels at which you need to think about it okay first of all uh, don't make your uh, framework monolithic okay monolithic means uh, whenever you see huge chunks of code huge concepts bundled together in one place so typically main large main scripts or one component doing too much break it up okay that's usually the first step towards scalability it doesn't sound as fancy but this is the basis after that when multiple components are talking to each other you have to think about components that okay i have a test runner for example in test engine design how do they achieve it so they have runner they have reporter they have let's say a test discoverer so they name their components and distribute these responsibilities 
then what they do is they develop interfaces that what's a discoverer interface what's a reporter interface what's this interface so one of the principles which is there in coding is code to an interface not to an implementation which is missing in most of the test frameworks by the way so people just pass concrete reporter or concrete uh, excel reader this is how we talk we, we don't have a file reader we have excel reader and we talk to it directly it's not hidden behind an interface at all so if you make one interface talk to other interface you have decoupled it this concept is called loose coupling so within the code loose coupling would help you in future integration if you have a reporter interface that if so interface means what it takes to be a reporter for a class so typically it is expressed in terms of methods which it needs to support now if your code caller code is talking to just an interface you see you could have moved from excel reporter to csv reporter to database reporting json whatever hidden behind that interface that is called loose coupling okay tight cohesion reporter is a concept cohesive concept and loose coupling that it is decoupled from others and interface represents it okay so this in a coding way this is how you break up and then architectural way try to develop different services which sort of uh, deliver this so most of us actually do it in the coding context itself so it should sort of serve the need so st a study about the uh, loose coupling if you want to get a further hint look at jmeter architecture how is it that jmeter can have any kind of preprocessor associated with any kind of publisher or protocol simulator and it can use any kind of post processor so you see how did it get that plurality in place that is the basis and there it's a wonderful wonderful case study for loose coupling the way jmeter has done it not just from performance testing as an architectural study or the question which you asked i think jmeter is one of the best examples out there of how to how to construct an automation framework i learned a lot of lot from it and i i learned in i learned it an abstract when i looked at jmeter's many options i just gave myself a goal that how can i achieve it what does it take to reach her and that's when i actually started getting serious about design patterns and all those things okay so you no need to even look at code when you look for example i told about setu project you know what is the basis for the this my one year work which i'm committing to it's selenium's json wire protocol i learned about it people know about it people use it but they uh, cram it as an interview question how does selenium work json wire protocol when i looked at this architecture i have been amazed by it for 3 4 years and i was always of the opinion which problem context i am going to build something like this today like last two months back i got a problem in which i am building my own wire protocol it is heavily inspired by selenium but i am expanding it to not just work for selenium i am doing it for configuration management i am doing it for data driven testing and i am going to solve some of those integration problem also you saying so you see when you look at uh, if you want to get good at automation architecture stop behaving as a user of a framework oh this is not now abc framework in the market this is great this is xyz tool explore them but when you use them try to learn reach them with a lot of why questions or how question how come they are able to do it this is a beautiful cli what did they use how did they build it or this api design is very good they have structured it very well 
okay how do they allow for optional arguments how did they achieve it these questions you take there then you learn design incrementally there is no design book for automation engineers at all nobody has written it i can't write it it's too complex too complex a work to actually take up okay so the only way for us to learn is learn from whatever sources we get and learn from selenium look at selenium's code look at its by for example you want to learn about factory methods look at the by.java class today you would learn more about factory methods than head source designs book okay you want to learn more about dynamic proxy or all those concepts look at event uh, uh, this uh, event firing uh, web driver.java in the java code and equivalent would exist in c sharp and other also okay so th these are some examples in which you can uh, <laughs> sorry learn a lot about applied design patterns in the context of test automation then don't make it a selenium problem now how do you take this concept and apply it elsewhere one of the exercise for example which i can give to you is uh, selenium has explicit weight mechanism or fluent weight mechanism okay don't look at the code write your own code and think about a software which would let's say generate a file on your system but that file generation might take 3 seconds or let's say 30 seconds or 40 seconds so write a code which would wait for this file creation using a polling mechanism that every half a second it should poll for the presence of that file so you see fluent weight is a concept but people confuse it with explicit weight implicit weight and make it only a selenium concept but you could have learned from it and now made it a generic concept which you own that's what i try to do there's no specific source apart from this which i refer i try to learn from other people's work and then it's called uh ape with pride the only way humans have ever learned is to learn from each other and if somebody wants to call it copying then let let it be that copy give credit and everything else would be fine give a reference because i think that's the only way when you learn from somebody's book also you're copying that person's thought process so it's okay learn from that but do give credit to those people that's the only difference between like copying and acknowledging or referring somebody okay so that that's that's a good way you could try so i hope that answers uh, the question by kumar Okay, there are some new comments. So Mahesh is asking about integrating different automation levels. Uh, say integrating API automation and web automation and using data across the levels. We do it heavily, but somewhere I have heard a different opinion as well around building standalone automation. So Mahesh, I think uh, you are on a good track. uh so from framework perspective uh the cap capability to test at different layers if you build it in a single framework there's a lot of reuse which you would see and there would be contexts also where uh you might need to mix both of these also so framework design wise you are getting it right people who say if either they are telling you that they have a different opinion that they need to do stand alone see exercising something as stand alone is different from absence of that feature in the framework okay 
so so you might exercise only one format at a time but that doesn't mean for that you need to build a you know other framework you can have them coexist and there's a lot of value of mixing these as well but then uh, depending on if there's a push from somewhere that uh, we want to test only one layer at this or this layer at a time no problem you trigger only that layer but there is value there's a lot of learning actually which, which you'll get if you build uh, all these features in a single framework lot of your assumptions go away the way you treat your config the way you treat your state in the framework how to build a framework which provides single state management for different ui versus non ui it would push you to your towards your limits and that is where you learn so design wise any time i have ever designed a framework i have thought like this so uh, my opinion goes with you that this is the right track why you haven't used lor extent reporting with arjuna do you see any limitation with them this question is with ashish so ashish uh, as i mentioned i try to architect frameworks where i don't really tie it to anything particular i try to develop something where extent or lor could be used so you could build your extension and uh, do it uh, you know in fact this is on my to do list especially with this new architecture coming up that whatever integrations i want to write i would do it in one place so that cross language people are able to use it so do i have anything against extent or allure not at all they are actually wonderful uh, wonderful frameworks and people have been using it they are uh, using them and they have been serving the people well uh, but my focus is not on that so people ask me do you integrate with jira not my work so far so far at some time i would pick up this problem and solve it but i focus on designing a framework which would lend itself to that any kind of integration because that problem very less people are solving so just so nothing against any of the integrations in fact yeah. uh, what is the scope of automation in etl or database area and how to achieve it any tool i have done very limited work uh, and automation does work in etl i did it for zmega uh, one framework where i was involved but um, beyond that not much or database definitely there's a lot of scope for automation by the way uh, not just automation in testing itself i don't think so much justice is being done to database testing now if i talk to agile nobody is even talking about database testing which is which is a which is a shame actually database actually lends itself to great testing um, sql is a great language to interact with database and very effective very very fast testing would happen at that layer and some of the bugs can be found only at that layer so huge scope exists and if you are working in such a context uh, this is a specialization area and uh, there are very less people in the market in that so so if you are into a context where you are getting this work uh, do your best and explore as far as you can uh, you can do don't go after fancy work that everybody is in the web let me get there don't get there so there is a couplet by wasim uh, barelvi that har shakhs yahan bhagta hai bheed ki taraf aur ye bhi chahta hai use rasta mile so if you are running towards the crowd you will not find a way there is too much crowd there so there is value in what you are doing a very interesting work you mentioned this somebody else i think chirag he mentioned maps testing so these are like specialized things if you are getting such work this is like wonderful i i met one tester he was frustrated why uh, he's uh, he was dealing with some alexa based uh, backend device and he was not able to automate so you see 
a great opportunity one of the latest tech and he's getting to test a product which employs a tech and now he's frustrated so we should understand the opportunities when we get it and how many people really get the chance so this is good work and very less people out there and yes there is scope for automation look at the interfaces uh, some of the etl automation which i see is that people have built like command line tools so if you are dealing with any language look at how to launch a sub process for example in python or java that how do you launch a command line tool and then interact with it read from pipe or those things so that would help you database testing is like straightforward there would be a lot of body of work also available out there you can find it and uh, so go to that system and uh, programming language or that knowledge would help you because most likely uh, frameworks around this built in see today there is an army of selenium frameworks out there everybody is in that so there are easier things too much choice in fact to the extent that it's spoiling us that which to choose uh this is special area if even if you get a framework there would be handful of choices it would be easy to choose work on this and i, I think this is a good area which you are working on last question how do i join test mile okay um i wish you had asked this question 2 3 years back when i was running services business um as far as um, today is concerned you are looking at test mile so <laughs> <laughs> so I am Desmile, and I have just one consultant who works along with me. Uh, so how do you want? Uh, so you want to join Desmile in spirit? You can anyways join. So most of the work in Desmile today is about consulting. It's about solving problems uh, via code frameworks and publishing it for free for people. So in that spirit, spirit actually, all the testing community can join Desmile and and do something together. So just so reach out. and whatever whatever we could do together yeah. why you haven't used accent i think i answered that wow i was hoping for some shyri in the session but wasn't sure okay can't help it so i think one thing at least i have to say so uh, any more questions or are we done wow it's 11:30 so i've been talking for two and half hours that's uh, that's something i wasn't sure on this because i haven't done uh, only one side did a webinar maybe 4 years back and i stayed away from it but the kind of participation i see here i am i'm so thankful okay you helped me realize that um, i can enjoy this i i i thought that maybe i'll i'll move out in 30 minutes i don't know how how I, without looking at you how i'm going to do it but you guys are amazing really Thank you, thank you so much. So, anything I can help with further, or for the time being, we just call it a day. My pleasure. Thanks, Mayank. Thank you thank thanks for your kind comments everyone So Mahesh so I think everybody is in thanks mode now so maybe I should shut up and you know everybody should go to sleep maybe
Okay, I guess. And, uh, okay, then. So I think let, let's. Uh, so again, once again, thank you. Thanks for uh, joining for the session today. I had wonderful time, and uh, I'm exhausted. And I, I think some of you might be too by listening for so long. Thanks for your patience, and uh, let's do it again sometime when I have earned some more experience, maybe, or maybe on a different topic that I can add some value. Thank you so much. Thanks for your patience. You made it uh, what it is.